Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. And we welcome you tonight to the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. My name is Matthew Recker, and this evening we are joined in the studio, not by Micah, who is somewhere in Europe on vacation. But we do have Brother Charlie and Emmanuel. So, Charlie and Emmanuel, you both have been here before, so welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, Praise the Lord. It's great to have you brothers with us tonight to to share the Word of God as we look in this uh, into this very important passage of Scripture for sure. Romans chapter 6 that we're going to be into. And as we begin, I do want to give a shout out to someone I've known for a long time. And she was in our service today and she's had a lot of physical problems and, and even the death of her dear son last year. And But it was so good to see Cheryl with us this evening from the Fulton Housings over there, along with our our wonderful church member, Yvonne, who helped Cheryl come on into church. So, Cheryl, thank you for being at church today. And she gave me one of the best compliments I've had for a while as far as in, in, in the message that I gave. You know what she told me? Yeah. She said, Pastor, she says, I can understand what you're saying because you're normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, well, I... I that, that was like a compliment if if, if she could Amen. understand and she said I was normal. So that was good. Sometimes my wife isn't so sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's just a joke, Debbie. All right. Well, we're glad to be here tonight. And we're going to look this evening at freedom from sin's power. Sin has great power. Jesus even talked about if you are a servant to sin. And many people do serve Sin and go from one iniquity even to the next iniquity. As he said even down in verse number 19, before we were saved, it says that we had yielded our members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. But the human heart yearns for freedom. And people strive and struggle for all kinds of freedom. But what's the greatest freedom? Is it financial freedom? It's nice to be financially free, but that's not the ultimate freedom. What about political freedom? Well, praise the Lord for political freedom and the freedom to speak and worship freely. But the ultimate freedom isn't political or financial freedom, but it's freedom from sin's penalty through Jesus Christ. And Paul's been dealing with that in Romans chapter 4 and 5. Freedom from the penalty of sin and being justified by faith in Christ. Now we get into chapter 6. Being free from sin's power, 6, 7, and 8. And so, dear friends, we encourage you to give us a call tonight. If we can pray with you, maybe there is some sin that has its ugly tentacles wrapped all around your soul. And you just can't seem to break away from the octopus of sin that seems to surround you. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's anorexia. Maybe there's even temptation for you in this culture to change your gender. And you are 
even being tempted, if you're a man, should I go through surgery and through the medical procedure to become a woman or vice versa? If you're being tempted in these ways, that is a terrible sin. It would be a terrible thing for you to reject your God-given gender, dear friends. You must come under the power of Jesus Christ and get free and be free from the power of sin. Maybe it's alcohol, drugs, cursing, bitterness. Maybe it's just something in your own heart of jealousy and you're just filled with jealous rage toward others. Get victory over sin. If we could pray with you tonight, call us right now at 929-333-3739. So we want to read the scripture and then we'll get right into our conversation tonight. And as we read, we're going to read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and Uh, 1 down to verse 7. I'll begin at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, these truths have often been called identification principles, that we are identified with Christ or that we are positionally identified with the Lord Jesus Christ in our abiding relationship with Him. And now we, we must apply the gospel to our lives to get that victory over sin. So verse 1 begins, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then verse 15 kind of separates chapter 6 into part 2 where Paul asks a similar question where he says, What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. So he says that same expression in both verse uh, 2 here in chapter 6 and also verse 15. And really the, the, the theme here is, Shall we sin? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. And the answer is, God forbid. And then the second question, shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. No, God forbid. So really, it's both about our relationship to sin and breaking sin's power in our lives through the gospel. So, Charlie, you know, what Paul is really dealing with here is some were accusing him by preaching a gospel of grace that he was encouraging sin. So really, that's the first question we can talk about is, does grace the grace of the gospel lead us to continue in sin? Or, on the other hand, should a proper view of grace totally discourage a life of sin? So which is it here? So honestly, that's the funny uh, question to ask. If you're thinking properly, if you're thinking uh, basically like God would have you to think, you would recognize that the freedom from sin that we have, in other words, we are freed not just from the penalty of it, but we are, as we're going to be talking here more, elaborating more, that the freedom from the power of sin 
frees us to be able to do the will of God. Actually, Paul writes the same thing to the mm. Galatians uh, when he states in chapter 5 um, that uh, this I say then, walking in the Spirit, that you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But in a little bit earlier in verse 13, he says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. In other words, hey, you are free. You're able to do things. But then a lot of people were misinterpreting what he meant by liberty. And he said, uh, and so he elaborated, he says, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And then he elaborates, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So in other words, when I sin, when I choose to go ahead and say, hey, I'm free, I could do whatever I want, and I choose to sin, that's not really loving my neighbor. Yeah. I'm going to be hurting them. And that's not liberty either. No, it's not. It's bondage. Yeah. And and the the thing is, is people were, were accusing Paul, you're preaching grace rather than law, right? So it's grace rather than law. Law is you've got to do this and that and, you know, keep a rigid, ri- rigid rituals. And Paul's saying, no, our righteousness is not through rituals. It's through the grace of Jesus Christ. And some people say, well, you're saying you can do whatever you want then. Paul's saying, no, because grace rightly believed is the change agent is the greatest motivation to live for the glory of God. Yes, Yes, Emmanuel? Yes, Pastor. I mean, when I hear someone say, hey, I can go sinning, no problem. I've got all the grace in the world. I mean, that just tells me that you don't understand sin and you don't understand grace. Let's, Let's look at a billionaire who has a son. Now, this guy has all the money in the world. And his son goes, thinks about his father and he's he thinks, how about I go and steal anything I want? If I get caught, my father can pay the bail. Mm. Do you yeah. think this is a smart son? No. I mean, in the same way, why would you go on sinning when your father has all the grace in the world to empower you to live a life victorious over sin? It's it's just upside down. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, too, When we talk about grace, what are we talking about? We're talking about what Jesus went through for our sins on the cross. So if we grasp that, that grace will cause us not to cling to sin, not to continue in sin, but to abhor that sin that put him there and not to continue in that sin any longer. And so, dear friends, we want victory over sin in our lives, and we want that for you. And you can give us a call right now. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to a song earlier than usual, but we're going to go to a very beautiful song about for God. We're asking God to search us and know our heart. And if we could pray with you, you get to us right now at 929-333-3739. 929-333-3739. Call us right now.
We must put the Lord in our vision to have victory over the power of sin in our life, dear friend. And we're here this evening talking about Romans chapter 6, victory over sin's power. So, Emmanuel, how important is it for Christians to really get a hold of living the grace of God and living in the victory that Jesus Christ has won for us? Oh, Pastor, it is of the utmost importance for those who have trusted in Christ to live a life of victory. I mean, it is super important, Mm. essential, urgent, vital. Choose whatever important adjective you want. Uh, You need, it is super important. Like, and there are a few yeah. reasons. There are a few reasons. Let me give you a couple. So, Jesus said in John eight thirty four that whoever committed sin is a servant of sin. So, reason number one, it makes you a slave. It becomes your master, and it's a ruthless and miserable master. Reason number two, it robs us of joy. It it instead yeah. of joy, sin can offer you the fleeting pleasures that end in misery. The fleeting pleasure of lust can result in pain and the hurt of a broken home. The fleeting pleasure of alcohol or wine can result in murder and death. Why not choose the real deal? Joy yeah. that comes from God. Psalm 16:11 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy, pleasures yeah. evermore. Why not choose that? Why not choose victory than the counterfeit that sin offers. That's right. Sin is the problem, dear friends, and judgment is the consequence, but Christ is the answer who gives pleasure forevermore. Charlie, would you like to add to that? Yes. Um, I'm reminded as well as in in the book of John that um, herein is my Father glorified. This is Jesus in John chapter 15 when he's speaking to the disciples uh, at that uh, final Passover that they had right before he goes to be betrayed. Uh, starting in actually technically verse thir- chapter 13 forward uh, up to about chapter 17. But he says that herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. And our fruit bearing is dependent on our abiding in him. And he elaborates what that is. And that's if I abide in you and, or, you know, you abide in me, but my words abide in you. Right. And so the promises that are given aren't something just to be looked at and then be dismissed, you know, uh, like in James that, oh, uh, the man that looks into the mirror, uh, but and then he goes and walks away as if nothing happened, but and then the, the one that's blessed in his deed is the one that remains therein and looks intently and deeply upon it. They, he puts into action what's, what's given. And so God intended for us to be able to take these promises. You know, it wasn't just something that he did. Okay, yes, that's we right. have a home in heaven, but it had right. actual impact and effect now and it's absolutely important we won't see that in addition to that in first corinthians 3 that we're told that you know take care uh, or be mindful take heed as to what i build upon whether gold silver precious stone wood hay stubble and so we overlook a lot of times the fact you know it's great that we have here and that we have blessing here but the thing is we have so much more promise to us in heaven and we have, I can't even begin to imagine and relate to what that would be as far as what uh, in the future. Uh, but the thing is, we have opportunity to be able to build now. But that's not going to happen. That's going to be wood, hay, stubble to be burned when we stand before God if I'm not living in victory. Yeah. Victory over sin is possible through grace. And it's important, as you all outlined, Emmanuel, but it's not inevitable. Victory is not automatic. 
but we must depend on the living Christ and then access him by faith, access the power of the gospel to overcome and reject the lies of the devil. So that's what we're going to look at now as we get down into Romans chapter 6. So as we break down Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, we see there are four present tense verbs that Paul uses to frame his main points. And the verbs are that we must know, we must believe, we must reckon, and we must yield. We're just going to really focus on know tonight. Reckon, believe, reckon, and yield will be next week. So what am I talking about? I'm saying we have to know what Christ has done for us and then apply what we know to our lives. Then we have to believe that and we reckon upon that and then we yield our bodies to what Christ has done for us in the gospel. So the first thing is know where we see this word, verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Verse number 9 as well, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. So this is our first key word. We have to know the spiritual realities that Christ accomplished for us to enter into the victory that he has won. So, especially now, let's go down into verse 3 and 4, where Paul says that we must know that we are baptized into Jesus Christ. Now, this is spiritual. We're talking the spiritual realm, dear friends, because we never had physical communion, relationship with Jesus while he was here in his earthly life. So, for us to be baptized into Jesus Christ, Paul's talking about spiritual identification truths that we must enter into by faith, but we need to know them. So, Paul says we must know of our baptism into Jesus Christ. First question, what kind of baptism is Paul talking about here? Is it a water baptism or is it some sort of spiritual baptism and how do we know which? Brother Charlie? So, we know, based off of what he explains here, is that it has to be uh, spirit baptism and not water baptism. Uh, if you, in First Peter chapter three, have a, a similar uh, statement that he's made, um, and I'll, I'll verse twenty-one. Um, he's speaking of the judgment of God upon uh, the earth, and uh, that in the days of Noah, while the ark were preparing, wherein a few that is eight souls were saved by water. And then it says, the like figure whereunto even baptism also doth save us. And then he puts in parentheses to explain very detailed. He says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, which mm-hmm. is yeah. basically that's, you're not taking a bath here. Okay. Yeah. It says, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. So he distinguishes. Okay. Yeah, he's not talking about it's a not, physical baptism. Yeah. You don't get yeah. into the water and then that doesn't do anything for you. All that does is picture what already took place. If you have trusted in Jesus, but it's the answer of a good conscience, which is that when I trusted Jesus at that moment, he put me into his death. And then when I actually do the physical act, I'm just basically giving testimony. This is what I did. I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Yes. So we know, too, that Romans 6 is not talking about a water baptism because there's many water baptisms in the Bible. And every time there's a water baptism, it says they went down into the water. So he doesn't explain it this way in Romans chapter 6. There is no water. He says we're baptized into Christ. As we, knowing this, that we were baptized 
into Jesus Christ. So it's a spiritual baptism into a, an abiding relationship with Christ. Emmanuel? Yes, Pastor. So uh, I actually want to circle back to the four verbs that you mentioned and talk about knowing for a bit. And why is Paul talking about knowing? He said the victory over sin is not instantaneous. But, but here Paul is giving us how we can grow into that victory. And the number one step is to know. Like, what is know? Know is knowledge regarding anything that you want to do. Like, if you want to drive a car, you need to know to put the key in the ignition and put the car into gear, right? So, we take it for granted, but it's essential. In the same way, if you want to live as a Christian, you need to know Christian doctrine. You need to know yeah. that Christian living flows out of Christian learning. And without it, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge in Hosea. Yeah. So a Christian without knowledge is a weak Christian. So that is why we need to know. And now the second part about knowing of our baptism in Christ. Now I agree with you and Charlie, this is a spiritual baptism and it's not a water baptism and it talks about our identification with Christ the moment we were saved. So it begs the question, what's our identification in Christ? It, it, the Bible says that we are saints, not the Roman Catholic kind, but we are saints who are set apart mm -hmm. for God. We are set apart to be holy unto Him. We are a royal priesthood and a holy nation who are called with a holy calling. So that is our identity in Christ through the spiritual baptism, which is also called regeneration. Amen. Dear friends, if you have questions and want to join our conversation, or if you need prayer this evening, call us right now at 929-333-3739. We have wonderful, loving, godly call screeners here who will take your calls, who will pray with you, give you spiritual encouragement. And I think something that we have to also say, and this is so important, is if you say Romans 6 deals with a water baptism, then you will confuse your salvation with a physical act of baptism. And we are not saved through the physical water baptism. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, and then we grow and live in the power of Jesus Christ by applying His gospel to our heart. Charlie? It's similar to what the Catholics do when they take what they call communion or Eucharist, right? Uh, so in the sense, when we as Bible believers uh, do the Lord's table and we commemorate, because yeah. Jesus said specifically, you know, do this in remembrance, remembrance. of me. Yeah. And so even though we won't rebaptize after the initial time that you're baptized as a believer, the thing is, if you were here, we're told that, uh, no, you not that as many as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. You'd have to look at it from the mentality. If if the water baptism did save you, you'd have to look at it from the same mentality that a Catholic looks at communion, saying that the the water is all of a sudden this is the physical uh, body of Jesus that I'm being immersed into, mm -hmm. uh, which is not. Yeah, I mean, it's foolishness. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. paganism. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. By the way, uh, Micah is not here with us tonight, but I did hear from Dr. Hahn that he's listening. In England, on the website, I guess. You know, you could listen anywhere in the world. Isn't that amazing? So let's now talk about these verses, Emmanuel, verses 3, 4, and 5 especially. So we're saying, yes, that this baptism into Jesus Christ 
is not water, but let's talk about what it is then. What does it mean, therefore, in the spiritual realm, and how is this important to us for us to know? Why is it so important for us to know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're buried into his death? Let's get down into that. Yeah. What does it mean? Well, the picture here is that we were buried into Jesus and are identified with his history. Mm. When we are saved, we are baptized, immersed, and identified with everything that he's done. Uh, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose, we rose with him. So God identifies the believer with Christ's history and pours out the life of Christ into us. So we buried. So, so in a way, when we are buried with Christ, we are separated from the world and separated from the kingdom of darkness. But then again, we are also raised with Him in new life. So now we are alive to Him and for Him and before Him. It, 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 another way to look at it is, if an addict dies, he's not alive anymore. Even if you put some cocaine before him, he's not going to snort it. Yeah. All his addictive faculties are dead. So in that sense... We are dead to sin. And at the same time, we are alive in Christ. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our filth, but he sees Jesus and Amen. his righteousness. That is what spiritual baptism means. We are in him. Yeah, it's a, this is an amazing thing, Amen. dear friends, that we are in Jesus and everything he did, we did in him. And really, the way I look at it, too, very simply, is freedom from the penalty of sin, that's salvation, is we believe Christ died for us and rose again for us. But then now we're talking about victory over the power of sin. We have to believe that we died with him, that that old man is dead with Jesus. How dead was Jesus when he died? What power did Pilate have over Jesus after he died? What no. could the Jewish Sanhedrin do to Jesus after he died? No, they had nothing. no power over him. And also, Paul's going to talk about the law later. What power did the law even have over Jesus when he died? None. No, he was free from the law, if you will. He was free from all of the, the hatred and hostility of the world. He had died. But he, and then he was buried, but then he rose again, victorious over it all. We're in him. Amen. So Amen. what power can sin have over us if we enter into the, what Christ did for us? None. None. You know, we cannot. What? Okay, so uh, I, I heard an illustration of um, uh, there's an old drunkard who died. And after he died, he was he's in the casket. Somebody came with a six-pack, and the guy was in the casket. Said, hey, Wake up. Have a six-pack of beer. But he's dead. Yeah. The six-pack of beer has no, he has no desire for it. He's dead. So we have to enter into Christ's death and then the taste of sin. As we enter into what he did for us will be gone because we are dead with him. We are buried with him. We are raised with him. Yeah. Paul stated it like this in Galatians 2 uh, when he was talking to the to the Galatian church. He said, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Amen. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. I think it's uh, John Van Gelder, if I'm not mistaken, or one of 
his brothers that said this is the exchanged life. Yeah. And so in my recognition, like Brother Emmanuel has been stating you as well, is that when I'm buried with him uh, in this baptism, that I recognize, hey, I'm really dead. And then now I'm able to freely live uh, God's will because I'm exchanging, hey, I'm no longer a servant to my sin. Sin no longer is my master. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Daniel? Yes. And I absolutely agree with uh, Brother Charlie. And and one point I also want to make here is Paul is stating facts over here. Like yes. This yes. is what has happened. Right. Yes. And And the problem is we may not really experience that always, but but that doesn't change the fact. What it tells us is that this is what has happened and we need to live like that, like it is reality. However, well, many Christians live between Canaan and uh, Egypt and Canaan or between Good Friday and Easter. Like they believe that Jesus died for them, but they don't live like Jesus rose again for them. Yeah. Yeah, when and then when we sin, we're not in that abiding relationship. We've forgotten, and we're not living in knowing that we are dead with Christ, buried with Him, and raised with Him. And real quick, Charlie, I'm so I'm so glad you quoted Galatians two twenty because really he wrote Galatians before Romans. And the way I look at uh, the book of Galatians, and I just say this for for our listeners as you're reading Galatians, basically the book of Romans is an exposition on Galatians. <laughs> and Romans chapter 6 is a, a fuller explanation of Galatians 2.20. Yes. And so that, that's very true. So I read the story of two men named Mike and Pat. And they found a most unusual turtle. The animal's head, the, the head of this turtle was completely severed from its body, but the turtle was walking around as if nothing happened. Well, Pat said, the turtle's dead. But Mike denied, the turtle's not dead, it's walking around. So a third friend walked along, and he was going to arbitrate their difference. And so Pat said, O'Brien, don't you think the turtle's dead? Mike, no, O'Brien, the turtle's not dead. It's walking around. O'Brien took one look at the turtle and said, it's dead, but it don't know it yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, And that's it, beloved. We, when we're in Christ, we're dead. We just have to know that in Jesus we are dead with him, buried with him, raised with him, and Ephesians 2, settled, seated with him in those heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So, praise the Lord that we are truly dead with Jesus Christ. So, let's, let's move on here, Charlie, now as yes. we go into verse 6 of Romans chapter 6, knowing this, again, there's the word know again, that our old man, now we talk about the old man. So we're going to talk about what is this and who is this old man that is crucified with him, that the body of sin, he says, might be destroyed. That means the body of sin might not be destroyed if we're not accessing Christ's work by faith. So, that's very interesting, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So that's really what Paul's driving at, that we should not serve sin. We should live in victory over the power of sin. So the question here now, let's go to this, in Romans 6, 6. What is the old man that is now crucified? Okay, so why don't we just stick on that for a moment. Who is this old man that is crucified? 
the old man is referencing our sin nature. We are born in sin. Uh, he, he spoke about this actually a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 5 when he said that whereas by uh, one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so then death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so when we're born, we're born, if you look even back in uh, Genesis, uh, when Adam and Eve started having children, it said that they had children after his likeness, not God's likeness, but that is in Adam's likeness which was at that point sinful and marred by sin. Uh, in other words, they had image of God on them, but it was a damaged image of God because of sin. And so we have that in us. It's part of us. And that's why we're, it's told that we're born dead and that we need to be born again. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus speci- specifically uh, addresses that in John chapter 3. And so this old man is who is who I am by nature uh, and... Is, is really in charge and the boss until I receive Jesus as my Savior, at which point he's going to, well, we'll elaborate here in a little bit on that, but he's going to free me from that. But it's in me. It's who I am, that sinful nature that says, no, God, you're not the boss. I am. Um, yeah. yeah. So my understanding is that that old man is that unregenerated human spirit that Paul references in Ephesians 2. And you had the quickened, that is, given life, who were dead. Previous, we were dead in trespass and sin. So that old man that was dead to God, separated and alienated from God through the sins that we had committed, even in nature and as well, and in action. The old man, though, is not the indwelling sin. And we'll talk about that. There's still going to be, and there's the second part of this question, even though we have this old man, why do we still have, if, he, if he's dead, how come I'm still tempted? Yeah. Okay, but Emmanuel, do you want to make a, a comment about yeah, that? No, yeah, I just want to talk about that. So I agree with you. When the old man died, it is our unregenerate person, and then we are regenerated with Christ. So now we are, uh, whatever happened on the cross to Jesus Christ physically happened to us spiritually. Now, since we are dead to sin, can a master make a dead slave do his bidding? Not really. Like we spoke about the guy who with the six-pack and uh, with cocaine. So you can't. But then, like you raised the question, why why are we tempted? It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very important question, and I, I thought of an example for that. Let's, let's imagine there is an elephant in the circus, and he has been trained. Every time you show him a stick, the elephant would do a barrel roll. Okay, so this is the elephant in the circus. Now, for example, you free the elephant, put him into the wild. What do you think will happen the first time the elephant looks at the stick? He'll do a barrel roll again. That is, in a way, what, why we are tempted. We have been freed from sin, but we are still used to it. And we need to know. That is why Paul puts the emphasis of knowing you are free from the power of sin. We, yeah. we can volunteer to sin, but we, we, we cannot be compelled to sin beyond uh, it has no power. Yeah, and another illustration, I think, just because I think sometimes in these spiritual concepts, it's good to have these different illustrations <laughs> that yeah. you're sharing. Yeah. Um, but look at it this way. Imagine if you're, like, in a cave, and there and, and there's a winding pathway of that cave, and you're in the back of that cave in the darkness, and in the front of the cave, there's there's two guards, 
and they're armed guards making sure you don't escape out of that cave. But what if a hero comes along and kills those armed guards and then shouts to you in the back of the cave, you're free. You can come out now. Your captors are dead. I want you to know it so you can come out. But if he doesn't believe that, if he doesn't live out what is the actual truth, he's going to stay back as a slave in the back of that cave. So we have to know what Christ has done for us in dying on the cross and that we are united with him in his death. We That old man now is dead, is crucified. I am. That old man is crucified. You know, and here's the thing. You know, as a Christian, and I think Christians will be able to just relate to this too, is that now that we're saved, we have a different relationship with sin. Yes. Whereas before, we had no compulsion about, I mean, it was good. I mean, we, we, there was no conviction against Conscious. it. We, yeah. we enjoyed it. We thought, oh, this is good. All of us are doing it. But then when you become saved, there's a conviction about, no, I'm not to live that way. Well, what, why? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and Jesus yeah. died for those sins, and we don't want to continue in those sins for which he died. But then also we still have uh, still lust in our yeah. in our inner yeah. being, you know. In in um, and it's but it's not the old man who is crucified. We're new. Yeah. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. There is a new man, but there's still that old master, and there's still indwelling sin. I think that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter seven: the sin that dwells in us. So there's still indwelling sin. And it's through that that I can still be tempted. Yes. Uh, in fact, Paul wants the believers of the same thing in Colossians chapter 3 from 8 to 10, wherein, wherein he says, Put off all these anger, wrath, malice, yeah. blasphemy, filthy right. communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And in verse 10 he says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So Paul is contrasting that, okay, yes, our old man is dead, but we also have to put off these sins and these, uh, the anger and the wrath and the malice, and we have to put on yeah, the Yeah, we new have man. to put, that's right, we still have to put them off. Charlie? Yes. Uh, Paul states it again in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he said that, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Mind you, he's speaking to brethren here. He preached it unto them. He says, you've received it. So these are believers wherein you stand. So they're being kept by it. But he says something very interesting in verse 2. He says, by which also ye are saved. And if, dependent on them, it says, keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And it says, for first I delivered them to you, and then he's going to, you know, that, Christ died according to uh, for our sins according to scriptures. He was buried and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, saved there, he's already talking to believers. He's been talking to believers for the entire, up to this point, uh, 14 chapters going into 15. And he says, by which ye are saved. He, said, he already told them they already received that and they're already standing in it. So saved there must mean something different than being saved from going to hell being saved from your sin he's speaking of the deliverance in other words he's you're going to be saved from going into sin and how's that if you keep in remembrance that you're dead to it 
In other words, you're dead to that old man. You no longer have to obey the temptation. You no longer have to say yes when sin comes, you know, attracting you. And you can walk God's path and do what God says, you know, because you've Amen. been raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Dear friends, Jesus said when he died on the cross, it is finished. That is, he broke that union with sin once and for all. He died unto sin once. And in that sense, he set us free from that indwelling sin. But now, as we're going to look as in just a few moments, as we close our program, we're going to look at verse, especially uh, 6 and 7. We must access the work of Christ by faith. And we must appropriate to ourselves what Jesus has done on our behalf in order to walk and live in that victory. But let's go to a song as we conclude in just a few moments. We're going to look at Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. You can call us at 929-333-3739. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. Let us pray with you. God is working on your heart. Let Him search you. He knows you. Maybe you need to call and just confess your sin and get the victory tonight.
God knows your ways, dear friends, from henceforth, that we should not serve sin. That is the goal. By the way, my name is Matthew Recker. I'm pastor of Heritage Baptist Church in the heart of Manhattan, New York City. We do invite you to Heritage anytime you're in the city or if you live in the city and looking for a good Bible-believing church. And we have with us uh, Justin, who was on the program uh, last week or so, and he's still sitting here with us tonight. And Justin lives right here in the city. We Justin was baptized yesterday. We had a, such a wonderful baptism, didn't we, brother? And your dad, and, and as we were driving to the baptism... He was saying how you guys found our church, and you did a search for independent Baptist churches in Manhattan, and there's really not many. So, dear friends, if you're looking for a good Bible-believing church, preaching the Word of God, uh, friendly people, conservative, you know, I mean, we using the King James Bible, singing beautiful hymns of the faith, visit with us at Heritage, Sunday morning, 490 Hudson Street. That's our address at 490 Hudson Street, 10 a.m. We have a Bible study, 11 a.m. is our morning service. So we're in Romans chapter 6, talking about victory over the power of sin in our life. So Emmanuel, as we get down now into verse 6 again, at the bottom of that verse, he says that the body of sin might be destroyed. So I think that the, the the conflict sometimes is, okay, the old man is dead. I know that. But then why am I still tempted? Because here he says that the body of sin might be destroyed. So maybe it might not be. <laughs> so exactly what's going on here? What is the body of sin and how can it be destroyed? Yes. So the distinction is that the old man was the, was the spiritual slave. He was crucified and the power of sin was broken. However, the body of sin speaks to a physical body, our flesh. And when it says it might be destroyed, it doesn't mean literally destroyed, else none of us would be here. But what it means is that the physical body would be made impotent, made powerless. Mm. And powerless over what exactly? Over our spiritual selves. That's the point. God has given us spiritual victory so that we can resist the devil and resist the flesh. Now we, our souls can take control of our bodies with all of its lusts and desires. We, our souls, our spirits, are in charge, not our bodies. We are now empowered to rule over our bodies rather than being slave to our bodies. I think that's Mm -hmm. the point Paul is making in these verses. And now we can overcome sin and do good works by the grace of God. And and since we've died to sin, we can no longer be slaves to sin. Yeah. Amen. It takes body parts to sin, right? Yeah. People yeah. sin with their, they use their hands, their feet, their eyes, their nose, their ears. We can sin with all of our different body parts. And so what we have to do is render those body parts inactive to sin. And the way we do that is realize what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And so we must have a faith response with what Jesus has done, that he died for us. And so now I am crucified with him. So destroyed means to literally to render something inactive, inoperable. And so look at, look at it that way, that uh, our, the body is kind of like the playing field 
that Satan wants to have a field day with. He wants to take our eyes. He wants to take our ears. He wants to take our hands and use our hands to to buy the alcohol or to buy the drugs. Use our eyes to lust. Use our ears to, to listen to things that we should not. So we have to die to self and let our eyes die to sin and our ears and our hands and then and, and later on, he's talking about yield. So, But this we're saying, first of all, no. Know what Christ did for you. Charlie, would you, would you like to add to that as well? Yes. So, as Brother Emmanuel and you have stated, I am free. In other words, I don't have to obey this temptation when it comes. Uh, and so I have to be ever mindful and ever mm. cautious to keep my focus on the realities that I am free. I don't have to obey it as much of an impulse and as intense as it might seem in my mind or even in my physical, um, I might have like triggered maybe sweating or, or things like that, like how some people have um, when they have PTSD and they come maybe to like an environment that uh, reminds me of something, yeah. like they, they have a certain smell that triggers them and then they have like a, like a physical response, a psychosomatic response. Yeah. So the thing is, even if I have an intensity reaction in that manner to the sin temptation that comes around, I can say no. Amen. And that's the beauty of what uh, Jesus has done for us. We can say no, but dear friends, victory is not automatic. We must have a faith response to what Jesus Christ has done. So now in Romans chapter 6, verse 7, finally we see that the result of entering into knowing, what is this result when we enter into knowing this identification with Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, what do we enter into here, Charlie, in verse 7? Uh, we're told here that we enter into victory. For he that is dead is freed, freed. from sin. We actually enter into freedom. We're actually able to go ahead and live out the will of God for ourselves. We're told three times. Here that we're free from sin, verse 7, verse 18, and verse 22. And so, Paul puts it like this when he wrote to the Colossians, As ye have received Christ, uh, so walk, walk. ye in him. Amen. And now, this is pretty interesting. How did we receive Christ? By, By faith. faith. By faith. Yeah. yeah, and so the thing is, I live, in other words, he actually said this a little bit earlier in the book, uh, and, when, and when he wrote to Romans, and when he, which if I'm not mistaken, he, he quotes from Hosea, uh, where he says that the just shall live by faith. Yeah. And so the thing is, I, I have my power, my enabling, uh, not right. because I'm such a great man, not because I'm so disciplined or any of those things that you want to look at. It's because Jesus did these, and yeah. I receive those facts. Amen. The same way we, we were saved is how we now live. And so look at it this way, dear friends, as we close out tonight. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of sin. Gambling, anorexia, pornography, alcohol, anger, cross-dressing. Maybe you're being tempted, as I said earlier, to even change your gender. A lot of people are being tempted with that. So what we must do is we must know what Christ has done for us. He loves us. He died on the cross for our sins. And then we ask in faith, praying and believing God, that we are identified with Christ. We ask. So if you're struggling, ask. 
God, give me that victory over whatever it is. Anorexia, give me that victory over tempting, changing my gender. Victory, ask in faith. Then take what you ask for by faith. Take it by faith. Take what God has promised. Ask in faith. Take what you ask for by faith. And then act out now in faith upon the provision. Maybe you're struggling with your gender. Ask in faith, God, you made me a man. I want to live out as a man. And then take it. Okay, Lord, I'm a man. And then act that out in faith. I am a man. And I'm going to live as a man with confidence that God has promised us. So take the victory. Ask, take, and then act on the victory. Charlie, thanks for being with us here tonight. Thanks God bless you, brother. Uh, thank you, Emmanuel, for taking part in our program. Micah, you have a good time out there, and you come back <laughs> safely to us next week. Your car is still doing fine. Okay. God bless you all. Have a great night. Follow Jesus. He's our victory. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.